0: river of deception flows from our own hearts. Maurice Rubin was in the late 1800s a very wealthy young man. He was from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He was manager of Solomon Rubin one of the largest department stores in Pittsburgh. The life of one of his buyers used to put him under deep conviction. Until one day he said to him, You must have been born happy. Yes, replied the buyer, in my second birth. I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and was born of God. In my first birth, I was no happier than you are. Reuben was so moved by this testimony that he bought a New Testament, and there he was impressed with the fact that all of those who followed Jesus were Jews. John the Baptist, pointing to him as the Lamb of God, Peter, James, and John, the chief disciples, and to a Jew, The Savior said, On this rock I will build my church. Then he came to the story of the rich young ruler. It was a dramatic moment. A rich Jew of the 20th century, under conviction, reading of the Savior's dealing with a rich Jew of the 1st century. The way that Reuben saw it was that if Jesus had told the young man to sell all to inherit eternal life, How could he, Reuben, inherit the same gift unless on the same condition? It was his supreme test. If he became a disciple, he knew that he too stood to lose everything. But for Reuben, it was too late to go back. He had seen it, and he must follow. As Reuben said those words, he faced it fairly and squarely, and he counted the cost. His wife might leave him, his brother might put him out of the business, and not a single Jew would follow him but he made up his mind. If he lost everything, he meant to follow Jesus. One day on the way to the store, Reuben heard a voice repeating to him the words of John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And the truth flashed upon his mind. He accepted Christ. And he entered into the life with Jesus at that moment. And so he told his brother and he told others but according to his father's will, he was to forfeit every penny if he changed his religion. His brother offered to give him 70,000 pounds, his share of the business, if he would cross the United States and retire in Montana. But Reuben replied, I have had the light in Pittsburgh. I'm going to witness in Pittsburgh. Late that Saturday night, detectives came and took him to the police station. On Monday, two doctors visited his cell and asked about the voice that he'd heard. Do they question my sanity? He wondered. Two hours later, wardens came from the asylum and took him to a room where there were 29 mentally deranged people. The bitterness of his position overwhelmed him. He'd had victory in the lockup, but this second seemed more than he could bear. He fell on his knees at his bed, and he loudly poured out his heart to the lord he did not know how long he was there but he seemed to lose himself and had a vision of calvary he said he witnessed every stage of the crucifixion he forgot his own suffering in the sufferings of his savior as he gazed at the cross. The master himself said to him, And must I bear the cross alone, and all the world go free? From a broken heart, Reuben answered, No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. From that hour he was a new man, Instead of complaining at being in the asylum, he began to pray for the other twenty-nine. And to the Savior he said, Let me suffer for you. Whatever you allow me to go through, I will never complain again. Two weeks later, Reuben's brother came to see him and reproached him for his folly in getting himself into such a place Now, why don't you just be wise, he said, get out of here and go to Montana. Reuben asked, does that offer still stand? Yes? Then it's not a medical condition, but something else that's keeping me here. Soon Christian friends that he was in touch with caused inquiries to be set on foot. In six weeks, his release was secured. It became a court case, and the test was on the voice. The judge called the doctor and asked why this man had been certified as insane. Well, because he heard a voice, said the doctor. Well, didn't the apostle Paul hear a voice countered the judge who was a Christian man? This is a disgrace to the American flag. And he told Reuben, prosecute anyone who had anything to do with this. He answered, I shall never prosecute anyone, but I will do one thing. I will pray for them. He crossed the court and he offered his hand to his brother But his brother turned his back on him. He went to his wife, but she also turned her back on him. But what a victory he had in his own soul. Maurice rented a small room in Chicago where he lived alone with the Lord and won many converts, though for two years he hardly had a square meal. A year later, his wife came to hear him in a camp meeting and was converted, and for the first time he saw his little boy, who'd been born after his wife had left him. She was willing to make her home with him again, if only he would earn a living as other Christians did. His heart went out to his little boy, and this test was even greater than the first. Her request seemed so reasonable. But he knew that the Lord had called him from the world into this life of faith. He pleaded with the Lord, but the only reply he received was, Back to Egypt? It was enough. And once more, Reuben embraced the cross. He went to see his wife and his child off. It was a costly experience, but as the train steamed out of the station, it seemed that God poured the joy of heaven into his soul. He literally danced on the platform. He did not see his wife for another three years. Then in another camp meeting, she too had a marvelous revelation of the cross of Jesus. As a result of this, she testified that whereas before as a believer, she had not been willing to share the sacrificial life of her husband, if it would be for God's glory, she would now be willing to beg her bread from door to door. They were reunited, and she became a wonderful co-worker with him in his ministry. This is a story from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The last part of the eighteenth, 1800s, early 1900s. Maurice Rubin, a Jew, a wealthy Jew, who chose Jesus. The battle, the raging river of deception, Is what flows in our own hearts. You can have a very rich religious self life, but still be completely unable to enter into the kingdom of God and finally go to hell. It's not the person who has trained his self-life that will go to heaven. It's the person who finally is willing to look honestly at his self-life and recognize that self is the root that comes straight from the Garden of Eden and the wickedness of Of Adam and Eve. That self-life. Has to go to the cross. Every part of our self-life. Must go to the cross. There must be an absolute. Unconditional surrender to the Holy Spirit. And you have to make that decision in cold blood. Not in emotion. Not in sentimentality. Just up front. What will you decide about this Jesus? We go this week to chapter 8 of the book of Romans. I want to read for you the first verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to the ones in Christ Jesus, not walking around according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. This passage of Scripture has become a binky for many Christians, perhaps for you, where you deal with your self-condemnation by rebuking it and saying, there's no condemnation for the ones in Christ Jesus. The problem is, are you in Christ Jesus? Or are you in religion? Are you really in Christ Jesus? We come to that first word in the eighth chapter, and it's therefore. And always when I read a therefore, I want to go back and look closely at what is that therefore referring to. So let's go back to verse 24 of chapter 7. A distressed man I am. Who will deliver me out from the body of this death? Now, he was a very religious man. He kept the law perfectly. But he says, I'm a distressed man. What does distressed mean? I'm an upset man. I'm a man who is deeply troubled. I am a man who is tormented. A distressed man I am. Who will deliver me out from the body of this death? See, if you get really honest with yourself, if you have not yet been crucified with Christ, or if it's just a concept, then you may salve your conscience with the words, there is now no condemnation for the ones in Christ Jesus. The problem is, if you're not in Christ Jesus, if you still live the self-life, if you're still in charge of your life, deciding where you will go and what you will do and who you will talk to and who, if you're still in charge of your life, there is condemnation in your life. I spoke with a man yesterday. He asked me, how are you doing in Jesus? So I began to describe the death of self-life. He became increasingly troubled as I spoke with him. And finally he said, I'm really struggling. I'm struggling with lustful thoughts. I'm struggling with attitudes and practices that I know do not please God. But I am a serious Christian, and so I'm, I'm working on getting these things out of my life. He loves the sports. He loves. He loves the way of the flesh. And he's saying I, I'm struggling with this, but see now if I come to him, and say, Oh wait a minute, brother. There's no condemnation to the ones in Christ Jesus. You're struggling with this, but there's no condemnation. I've lied to him. Condemnation is a rich gift that is given to us by the Holy Spirit to tell us that something is not right in our body of, of spirit and of flesh, that there has to be a change in us. And some of you have been Christians for many years, but you are still in condemnation, and you have continually said to yourself, no, 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 I'm not in condemnation. There's no condemnation. But there is, and you know there is. And you lie to yourself when you say there is none. Paul, Apostle Paul said, I'm a distressed man. Who will deliver me? One of the greatest gifts I desire for you, and I will be working all week to help you with this, is to become distressed until you become uncomfortable and unhappy with your spiritual condition. And you recognize that you finally in cold blood, have not fully surrendered to Jesus, but you've said, oh, he loves me anyway. He loves me unconditionally. See, these are lies that come out of the mouths of people who are not saved. Any person who says, God loves me unconditionally, is not a man or woman of salvation. They are worldly. They are of the flesh. And they have fooled themselves I want to, I want to go to a passage that you know very well. And I hear this all the time from people who call themselves Christians, but who have not died to self-life. Oh, well, let me define what is self-life? Love of money, love of ambition, love of entertainment, love of professional sports, love of video games. We'll go through some of this later in the week. Self-life, where you pleasure yourself by what you eat, you go, and what you do, with things that have not been given to you by the Holy Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. Life in the Holy Spirit is a life of joy and peace and love and incredible enjoyment. But self-life is when I choose for myself what I want, not what God wants for me. Self-life is my life, not God's life. So this passage, I hear it all the time. Romans 8:28 Now we know that all things work together for good for the ones loving God and we stop right there. Everything's going to work out good for me because I love God. Wrong. A a lie can be a half truth. The passage continues. It's a qualifying statement for the ones being called according to his purpose. You cannot be according to God's purpose and still have your self-life alive. You're according to your own purpose. So if you say to yourself, everything's working out for good because I love God, but you're not walking according to his purpose. Deception is a raging river in your heart. And in the end, you will be shut out of the kingdom of God. The most important gift I can give to you is to help open the road in your heart to go to Jesus. The road to Jesus begins, the road to Jesus begins with your being utterly distressed about your self-life and your being utterly sickened by it. But not being able to do anything about it because the self cannot be put to death by the self. It's something that Jesus does through supernatural power when we finally submit to him. Now, it's very plain. If you're not distressed, and you're not given utterly, totally, and completely to Jesus, and you are still walking in the ways of the world, you're still claiming that there is no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus, and there is, everything is working out for your good because you love Him, but you have not been called according to His purpose. You've been called according to your own purpose. It's clear that you're walking in utter deception. And you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Because that deception is upon those that Jesus spoke about. I'll turn to it quickly. In Matthew... You must enter through the narrow gate, the suffering, affliction gate. What's that suffering, affliction about? Not doing it my way and sacrificing everything to follow Jesus. Wide is the gate and broad is the way leading into destruction. And many are the ones entering through it. How narrow is the gate? And groaning is the way that leads to life. Now I want to read one more portion. This is Romans, I'm sorry, Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone saying to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of the heaven, but the one that keeps on doing the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we we interpreted divine revelation in your name, did we not? I listen to these so called prophets and biblical scholars as they teach their doctrines, secret rapture doctrine and other doctrines. But they still walk in the will of their own heart. They still walk in their own ways. They still say, yes, I'm a sinning Christian, but the blood of Jesus covers me. So when God judges me, he's not going to look at me. He's going to look at Jesus. In your name, we did many deeds of power did we not? But then I will plainly assure them, I never recognized you. You must depart from me, the ones working lawless deeds or the ones who are, in the NIV, evil doers. If you are walking in yourself, in your own flesh, in your own ways, you are an evil doer by definition. Now, one of the things you may need to begin praying for is ask Jesus if he would distress your heart and begin to reveal to you how you walk in your own way, in your own spirit, how you still walk in your own rebellion in your own self-life and not in the life of the Spirit. You may need to begin to cry out to God and ask Him, would you distress me? Would you discomfort me? I don't know what's wrong in my heart. I just know there's something wrong in me. There's something not right in my heart, but I can't put my finger on it. I I don't know what it is. Lord, would you reveal that to me? Would you discomfort me? Would you uncover me? Would you make me a distressed man? Some of you listening to the broadcast today are very comfortable in your cultural religion. You like to listen to Christian messages. You like to hear that everything's going to work out for the good for you. But you've not been called according to his purpose because you've rejected his purpose in your life. You have gone your own way. You've spent your money the way you want to spend it. You've gone where you want to go. You've done what you want to do. You please yourself, not Jesus. So you're not distressed. You go to church once a week, a couple times a month. You might be even very, you might even be a preacher. And you live in your own self-life. You're deceived. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to the ones in Christ Jesus. Not walking around according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Do you know how to walk in the spirit? Have you been in the in the school of the Holy Spirit? Is your heart upset and distressed over things you see in your life? Our immediate response is one of two things. Either cover it over quick and pretend it's not there. Or begin to judge ourselves and condemn ourselves. And neither one will solve the problem. If you condemn yourself, you will just punish yourself until you feel like you've punished yourself enough and then you'll go on and do the same thing again. Or you'll cover it over and partition it off in some dark secret part of your heart, knowing that it's wrong, but not being consciously aware because you put it away for so long. Some of you are able to be angry and bitter. Some of you are able to fornicate, lie, cheat steal some of you are able to slander and gossip all kinds of evil flows out of this self life of the wicked heart and you can dress a pig up in a pink tutu but he's still a pig you can put lipstick on that pig but he's still a pig your self-life is a pig life. And every once in a while, you'll give in to it and go wallow in the mud. And then come and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Or just put it away and forget about it. I want to go back to the sixth chapter in the book of Romans. Are you ignorant that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Really, we were buried together with him by means of the baptism into the death, that just as Christ was raised out from among dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in newness of life. For if we've been united in the similarity of his death, then we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed, not put down, destroyed. That we not hereafter serve sin, for the one having died has been freed from sin. Now, can I be very personal with you for just a moment, please? What is the Lord asking you to do? You know what he's asking you to do. What is it that he's asking you to do? Is he asking you to turn off the television? Is he asking you to turn aside from the entertainment? Is he asking you to break that fornication? the pornography, the wicked thoughts in your mind. What's he dealing with you on? You have to start where he's dealing. And if you deal with him faithfully in that, he'll then take you to the next step. And he will, by his grace, through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, totally empty you out of the old self-life. But you have to agree my self-life, I am distressed over, and I no longer want to walk in myself. I want to walk in Jesus. Okay. Then please, right now, make a decision with me that you will deal with that sin. You will deal with it today you will deal with it now. And you will begin to deal with it by confession of that thing. Now, you can confess it directly to Jesus. You may also need to confess it to someone else so that you are utterly exposed and held accountable. Now, it's not your job. to go searching for someone else's sin. But if their sin is very apparent, then it is up to you, if it's a Christian brother or sister, to speak with them very kindly and very gently and ask them to deal with their sin, to confess it and to repent. You see, the only way we're going to get through this is to begin to honestly deal with the self-life. And I have seen Members of the church, ministers, pastors, bishops, who walk in known sin and rebellion against the Most High God, their self life is alive and well, is yours. Will you deal with it today? Your salvation depends on shutting down that raging river of deception that tells you you don't need to be upset about that condemnation that you feel in your heart because Jesus loves you. Lie, lie, lie. He does love you, but you better deal with that raging river of deception that's flowing in your heart. Or it will sweep you away to hell. Do you speak unkindly to your wife or to your husband? Are you angry and defensive? Are you self centered? One of the clearest indicators that you have dealt with your self-life and put it to death, is that you are no longer concerned about yourself. You are concerned about others. You have given up yourself, and you will only do and say and be what the Holy Spirit tells you to say, to do, and to be. You will pray the prayers of the Holy Spirit, not human flesh prayers. I think we exhaust God. I think we wear him out with many foolish words when we try to pray. We need to pray Holy Spirit prayers that are in accord with his will, his purpose. And if you have any question, his purpose is to build the kingdom of God and to bring men and women into a saving relationship with Jesus where men and women are crucified with him who die to self and who now live into Jesus Christ and are no longer concerned about themselves but are concerned about Jesus and his purpose and his kingdom. Remember Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What were those other things? They were things the pagans run after, food and shelter and clothing. We serve a God who knows how to take care of the basics. If he tells you go somewhere, then you go. I can't tell you how many times in the past the Lord has told me to go somewhere and I have gone knowing that I had only enough gas to get me there but not enough gas to get home. I remember pulling into a gas station with my tank way past empty. The Lord said, pull into this gas station. I pulled into the gas station and I sat at the pump waiting for the Lord to give me my next directions. And a man pulled up behind me. He got out of his car. He walked to where my window was and he said, sir, do you need gas? (laughs) I said, yes, sir. I desperately need gas and I have no money. He said, that's all right. I'll fill your tank. And he filled my gas tank. And I drove away rejoicing in Jesus. I've been able to do that for others. I pulled up at BJ's long line of people waiting in line. And a young man got out of his car ahead of me searching, looking for something. I finally got out of my car and walked over to where he was, and I said, are you having trouble? Oh, yes. I don't have any gas, and I can't find my card, and I don't have any money. I smiled and said, don't worry about it. I've got you covered. I put my card in. I put my credit card in, and I filled his tank for him. He said, please, could I have your address? I'll send you, I'll send you the money back. I said, no, 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 no. This has been done for me. I'm happy to do it for you. I did it for you in the name of Jesus. He said, you're a Christian. Yes. So am I. Thank you. And he drove off with a huge smile on his face. A person who no longer walks in his flesh will lay his life down for his brother even as Jesus Christ has laid down his life for us. So, when we come to this chapter 8 and we read, Therefore there is now no condemnation to the ones in Christ Jesus. There is... A qualifying statement. Not walking around according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In other words, there is condemnation for every person who is not walking around in the Spirit of the living God who is in charge of their own life. And I just need to press you on this today and say, Are you like This man I spoke with this week who's struggling with lust and worldly lust for things of the world, the football games, the the alcohol, the worldly life, but he's a Christian. The only way that man is going to successfully come through is if he's willing to submit his will to Jesus Christ. It's not through hard work. It's not through self-motivation. It's recognizing that condemnation comes from the Holy Spirit to prompt us to carefully examine our hearts and our lives to determine whether we are walking in wickedness before God in the old nature of self-love. You know, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And for me, it's about how can I help you? How can I be available for you? It's not about how you can be available for me. Now, the Lord will be available and he will move others to be available, but that's not my concern. My concern is to be available for Jesus, to belong to him, to have his spirit in me. And then to move beyond that to loving my brothers and my sisters. And all men are my brothers, and all women are my sisters. So to walk in love and peace and joy, not in anger, bitterness, recrimination, lust, So what decision do you need to make today? It's your choice. But you need to make that choice in cold blood and not turn back. For Jesus is the Lord of life and he is the one who stills the raging river of deception in our hearts by exposing it and discomforting us. And causing us to finally say, all right, I give up. Take over, Jesus. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. We're going to continue in Romans, the eighth chapter this week. I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. We're not there yet for the total amount that we need for this month's radio broadcast. I am so grateful to those of you brothers and sisters who have stepped forward and given so generously. I'm amazed every month that you are there, but I know it's Jesus. It's the Spirit of God moving in you. Thank you. I'd love to hear from you. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. You can find us love, uh, you can find us live there by just going to, uh, YouTube and putting in National Prayer Chapel or Pastor Ray Greenley. And the YouTube channel will come up and we'll be streaming there live from one to two o'clock. And then later in the day, it will be posted by Brother Ed to our webpage. So go to nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. I said to the National Prayer Chapel on Sunday, when you come, come hungry for Jesus, it's not about ourselves, it's about Jesus. Come with a heart eager to be in his presence. So many times I've gone to a church to preach and the people have been deader than doornails and so everybody's had to do their 45 minutes of praise and worship to jazz people up and get them going. No, 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 no. That's flesh. We come into the presence of the Lord because our hearts are hungry for him. He's the one we worship. We don't worship rituals. We don't worship church calendars. We don't worship decorations. We don't worship bands and music. We worship Jesus. Be hungry for Jesus. I love you all. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.